Good morning. My name's Mark McElroy. Um, if you're new around here, you'll get the rhythm of summer. The rhythm of summer means about late June, early July, our pastor and his family uh, take vacation and um, get away from us for a while, I guess. Uh, and, and, you know, this has happened for years. If you've been here for a while, you've, you come to recognize this, this pattern. I sent our pastor a note via social media this morning and uh, said, I don't know. I just kind of miss you more today than usual. <laughs> um, can't really quite put my finger on it, but I really do miss him. Um, When I speak uh, or, or do presentations of, of any variety, I, my, my kind of go-to plan is to know exactly what my first statement is and what my last statement is, and the rest of it is just kind of like jazz, you know, we'll just kind of wonder. Uh, so let me give you some fair warning. There's a conversation that's been going on in my head uh, for a few weeks now, and now you're invited in. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, you, you know, you've been, uh, you, you've been duly warned. If you want me to turn around so you can politely exit, I won't be offended. Um, but, but we're going to have a fun conversation today. Um, I thought about first sentences and first statements when I came out. And, uh, you know, I thought about saying, uh, good morning. I'm Tim Harris, pastor of Woodburn Baptist Church. This is what happens when you stop running. Um, thought better that I thought about saying my name's Mark McElroy and I don't normally preach but you're going to know that <laughs> you're going to know that really soon um, so I'm glad you're here we're going to have a, a, a fun time together um, you know I got some stuff I want to do before I start preaching I may never get to the preaching part we'll see but I like playing games. So we're going to play a game. Anybody mind if we play a game for a minute? We're going to play a game. It's called Who Do You Know? And uh, the Who Do You Know game works like this. Um, we're going to flash uh, some pictures up on the screen. And then I'm going to count to three. And on three, you say the person's name out loud. Let's practice by doing this. I said my name's Mark. On the count of three, say your name loud. One, two, three. Hey, you're pretty good. All right. I think we're ready for our, our, our first, uh, first one here. One, two, three. Morgan Freeman. We know Morgan Freeman. Everybody recognize him. All right, we know Morgan Freeman. Next one. Who's this? One, two, three. Governor Matt Bevan. That's right. Governor Matt Bevan. Next one. One, two, three. We know it's, it's something at Western. This is Tim Caboni, the new president at Western Kentucky University. You recognize him? Yeah. See? Yeah, now you know who he is. We're going to keep going. Um, who's this? One, two, three. Big Red. Big, Big Red. Have you seen Big Red? Yeah. <laughs> Big Red. One more. One, two, three. Warren Weeks. Go Warren. Uh, this is an easy game. Think about all the ways we, we know Morgan Freeman. We know the governor. We know the WKU president. We know Big Red. 
we know Warren. Now let's ask for some, let me, let me do some clarification here. Raise your hand if you've been within 10 miles of Morgan Freeman. All right. Oh, there's one. All right. Good for you. You're our Morgan Freeman expert from this time forward because you're as best we got. Next one. Who has shaken hands or met the governor of Kentucky, Matt Bevin? Yeah, I see some hands. Yeah, maybe, what, a dozen? We'll, we'll say a dozen. So we know the governor. Uh, Dr. Caboni, raise your hand if you've met Dr. Caboni. Westerns, there you go. All right, more hands. I'm seeing a trend. Raise your hand if you've made a selfie with Big Red. Look at that. Look at that. Hey, in the 830, I said, stand up if you've ever been Big Red. And we had one. That's right. Yeah, one of our church members was, was Big, Big Red. It's a secret, I guess. Well, it was. It's not now. I won't say his name, but his initials are Nathan Cherry. How about that? Um, raise your hand if your life has been touched Raise your hand if your day has been made easier. Raise your hand if you have been welcomed into worship by Warren Weeks. Look at that. Okay. But yet we, we know Morgan Freeman. We know the governor. We know Dr. Caboni. We know Big Red. We know Warren Weeks. Um, evidently, there's more than one way to know, Right? That's the only thing that makes sense of stretching it that far. Um, look at this. Who's that? <laughs> Albert Einstein. Can we just capitulate to this idea that, and I know, Dale, you're going to call me a dork before this is over. I can see it. It's just busting. There you go. Yeah, it's coming. Dale's my brother. Um, this is Albert Einstein. Can we just capitulate that of all the people that ever lived, let's say the top 1,000, the top 1,000 people who understood and know the concept of gravity, we could put him in that circle. Anybody be offended by that? We, can we just say that Albert Einstein knows gravity? Anybody, everybody good with that? Okay. And I don't know why Albert Einstein took a lot of pictures with his tongue out. This isn't the only one. If you Google him, you'll see several of them. Um, if you have a certain age, maybe Gene Simmons got his cues from Albert Einstein. We'll see. But I digress. So he knows gravity. Look at this. You see this guy? Don't know his name. He knows gravity. He knows gravity. Um, the Albert Einstein way of knowing gravity, if you make a mistake, you need an eraser, right? If he makes a mistake in knowing gravity, what happens to him? He, he needs 911 at best. He might need one of Tommy Jones' long black cars. I don't know. Uh, th this, this thing about knowing is important because... We stretch it beyond its natural limits. 
And we say we know a thing, and we say we know a thing, and they really aren't the same at all. We're going to preach in a minute, but I just want to ask you a question, and we're going to ask it several times. Do you know the Lord? Do, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? And when I ask, do you know the Lord, I'm not asking, you know, for you to assess how certain you are of it. Um, I'm just asking, do you, do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? How do you know? How do you know the Lord? How do you know if you know the Lord? This thing about knowing is pretty important. The Beyond being um, a, a self-confessed nerd, and, and uh, you know, being drawn to the history of language and the words we use, there's a certain danger we face if we mistake uh, knowing of one kind for knowing of another. And, and that, that danger is heightened by, the, chan- by the, the fact that most of us think and dream in English. Anybody, who, who's, who speaks multiple languages? Raise your hand. Okay. Do you dream in the other language? I'm just curious. I just think it's kind of cool if you do. Uh, yeah. Uh, if, we, if English is our spoken tongue, then we are even more disadvantaged because we just got this one word when most of the other languages have at least two. Um. I asked Francesca not to correct me in public, but, uh, you know, German has two words for no. It's got wessen and kennen. Anybody speak German in the room? Good. (laughs) Italian has two words, uh, canoso and sapere. They both mean no, but they mean no in different ways. And in both, in both of these languages, one of them means knowing an idea, an information, a concept, uh, an awareness of. The other one means knowing like, um, like how to throw a boomerang. Who knows how to throw a boomerang? You know how to throw one? That's right. Keep your hand up if when you threw it, it came back. It came back? Look at you, Dale. The boomerang came back. If you throw a boomerang and it doesn't come back, it's a stick. <laughs> it's not a boomerang. It, it is not. Uh, you know, this, this thing about, about knowing, um, there's a, in, in English, we've got the one word. In other languages, there's two. In Latin, there's ten. There's 10 words in Latin for communicating that you know something. Um, Habio, intelligo, percipio, disco. Who knew disco was a form of knowing? Yeah, disco is a Latin word for knowing. Um, Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? Let's... Let's go to the Gospels. We're going we're gonna to look in Scripture today for knowing what it means and how do we know. Because wouldn't it be nice if we could leave with certainty that we know what it means to know the Lord? 
Wouldn't it be great if Scripture had this clear path for us? Um, we're going to look at that today. This is John chapter 10. If you're playing along at home, turn in um, the Gospel of John chapter 10. We'll start at verse 11. It, it'll take up a couple of screens. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he's, he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Let's keep going. Jesus keeps going. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. And they what? They know me. I know them. They know me. Is this complicated yet? I know my sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Um, in the, you know, we, we talked about English and some of these other languages. In the New Testament, there's at least two words for know, K-N-O-W, not just K-N-O-W and N-O, I mean N-O, you know, N-O is what your parents say. That's just, that's parent speak. We're going to speak in only about K-N-O-W, about knowing something. Um, <clears throat> the New Testament has a, two words. The most prominent one is a word called gnosko. When we see gnosko in biblical languages, in this case it's Greek, when we see gnosko, it's translated as no nearly every time, K-N-O-W. For example, in the verses we just read, I am the good shepherd, I know gnosko, my own sheep. Hello. I lift the foot up. I am the good shepherd. I know Gnosko, my own sheep, and they know me. It's the same word there. I just didn't put it in parentheses. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father. The, the, the gnosko, this word in the New Testament, is not the kind of knowing that you have with your head. It's not an intellectual awareness of. This is a knowing that takes time. This is a knowing that assumes a relationship between the knower and the known. Um, where's my guitar player? Who's the guitar player? You're a guitar player. Uh, I, I presume you have calluses on your hand. If you don't, just nod your head yes. Just hold them. No, you've got them on that hand, on those fingers. Yeah, uh, I, I know in theory, I know in idea how to play a guitar. There's strings, there's frets, and you strum them. This brother knows. He knows in this kind of way. I know in another way. The kind of, the way I know how to play guitar is, is in theory and is in idea. When the New Testament, especially in this passage, when it has, when it talks about knowing my own sheep, it's the kind of knowing that is based on relationship. There is another word in the New Testament that refers to ideas. It's oida. O-I-D-A is our English version of it. You can flip on to the next one. Um, and some, it's interesting, in, if you look in, your, in, your, uh, in the New Testament, there will be a verse that has both versions 
uh, both words for know in it, and in our translation, it only says K-N-O-W, and we're, you know, we're none the wiser. And it, it, it I mean, it's just the, the part of the process of it's not being our, our native language. Uh, this is in 1 John 5.20, um, and we know, oida, this is the idea kind of knowing, like a concept. We know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so we can know, gnosko, the, uh, the true God. Um, we have, we have um, been blessed with understanding, oida, of who God is, so that we can have a relationship and know God in the Gnosko way. Um, so when we read this, we see in our language, no twice, but they are not, not figuratively. They literally are two different words. And think about what a shift that means. It doesn't say we have um, information that the Son of God has come and he has given us an understanding so that we can have awareness of the true God. No, it doesn't say that. It's about having a relationship with the true God and not an awareness of. It's a, it's a subtle, but it's, a, but it's an important shift. There's a, back to our predicament, because remember our central question? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? If, if our knowing is we have an awareness of information and content about God. We're not knowing God in the way that Scripture describes. If we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we are not knowing God. Let's, 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 uh, let's advance here, Rod. Um, knowing in scripture assumes a change in behavior you know our central questions and we'll, we'll get to you know the preaching later but the central questions are do you know the Lord and, and how do you know if you want to know if you know the Lord look for change behavior that's a, that's a good sign because you can't know the Lord in the biblical sense, in the New Testament language. You can't know the Lord and behave as if it hasn't done anything to you. If you claim to know the Lord and your life has no imprint of God's view of others, you, you have a concept of God, but you are not knowing the living God. Assuming, uh, knowing in Scripture assumes a change in behavior. Let's keep, let's keep going. Um, here's an ex here, here's a, a, a text that backs it up. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. Jesus says, I have a relationship with my sheep. And based on that relationship, you know what they do? They behave differently. They follow me. They follow me. That's how we know. If we are in the path of doing the things that Jesus did, we can know that we are knowing the God um, of our salvation in the way that, that Scripture calls us to. This is just a concept. This isn't a Scripture verse, but it, it's something I want to park on for a minute. In the Bible, not all knowing is in our heads. 
some knowing is in our hands. And God made us to know him by doing his work. There's a kind of knowing that comes from doing. There's not any amount of textbook reading about how to play guitar that's going to make music out of me. It's just not. And if I'm not willing to get blisters, I'm not willing to know how to play guitar. Not all knowing is in our heads. Some knowing is in our hands. And that's why Scripture describes it knowing as a relationship. But I want to I, I put pause and step aside and I want to address some of you. It's not, it's not for everybody. But I want to address some of you and you'll know who you are. Because I'm one of you. And here's what I want to address. Sometimes we can be dependent on our ideas of knowing God and miss the chance to experience the living God. Sometimes we can know God in our head and miss the chance to know God with our hands. And sometimes I can use my head, my brain, to think my way into a corner that I can't get out of. This is how I know when that happens, when I have a question. When there's two ideas that both seem to be true and, and competing, and, I, and I'm sitting in Sunday school, and I think, well, I'm not going to ask this. Or if you have thoughts, if, if you have identified two ideas about God that don't seem to fit together and, and that has become a barrier for you experiencing the living God, that means that you have thought your way into a corner that you are having trouble thinking your way out of. Um, Christians, theologians, scholars, you know, they, they have put together these wonderful, elaborate kind of philosophic and theological treatises about how do you reconcile two things that seem contradictory and are yet true that there is a loving god that god created us and there are those who are innocent who suffer as an example how do you it, it, you, it putting those in the same bowl doesn't make sense and and again, I'm not speaking to everybody, and we'll, we'll, we'll preach in, the, in a little bit. But if you're one of these people that thinks your way into a corner and you're having difficulty thinking your way out of it, here's my uh, advice. Stop trying to think your way out. Start behaving your way out of it. Start acting your way out of it. Start serving your way out of it. Find somebody in need and help them. If you will make your hands and feet and face busy about doing the work of God, I promise you on the authority of Scripture that God will meet you there. God will meet you there and you'll know it. You'll know it in a way that may escape your brain, but you'll know it in the joy in your feet. That's how God works. We have somehow taken our faith in God and boiled it down to a set of ideas that we either agree to or not, and we have found satisfaction in that. And that is something, but it is not what Christ died for. It's not. 
And if we mistake that for knowing God, we are not reading God's Word in the way that we have been given it. Let's keep going. Back to the, our other conversation. That was just a, a sidebar. Um, John makes it clear that not everybody knows God. Let's go to this verse. The people who belong to this world, this is in 1 John. The people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because we don't know Gnosko him. We don't have an experience of him. Uh, what this scripture does not mean is that the people of the world don't know we're God's children because they don't have an awareness of him. They don't, they don't know that we're children of God because they haven't had an experience of him. Um, they don't have a relationship with him. Let's, let's, let's keep going. This is very pervasive. We're going to uh, talk about the Old Testament briefly. In the Old Testament, um, there's one word for no. In the New Testament, we've talked about two. In the Old Testament, it's one. It's a big word. It means a lot, and it's used a lot. The word is yada, and it means no in a very relational, experiential sense. And it is so... It is pervasive in the Old Testament because it is the big story of the Old Testament. And the big story of the Old Testament is about God, creator, all-powerful, all-knowing, who wants to be known and wants to be known by you. That is the story of the Old Testament. That is the story of our faith. Yada is used 950-something times in our Old Testament. It, it is... Um, sometime, you know, just start reading Exodus. Just start at chapter 1 and, and go through it. You'll see that God did this that they may know. God did this that they may know. Uh, God will deliver the Hebrew children so they will know. God will smite the Egyptians so they may know. Uh, everywhere in Exodus, and it's throughout the Old Testament, but Exodus is a good place to, to see it at work, um, is about God wanting to be known, and yada is the word in every case. Let's, let's keep going. Yada is experiential and relational and not dependent on ideas. Um, I'll just cite two quick examples, and these are both, these are both Old Testament verses that use the, the word yada as the verb. And you can help me with the first one. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and yada that I am God. Be still. Uh, not be still and have an awareness that there's a God in heaven. Not be still and, you know, just acknowledge something that you learned when you went to church with your aunt 30 years ago. It's be still and find yourself in the middle of God's identity. It's be still and know that your story is not finished and your story is a part of God's bigger story and God through his grace is still working that out in you. That's what being still is and knowing God. It's a knowing that takes time and requires a relationship. It's a knowing that doesn't just happen in a pamphlet. Genesis 4.1 Adam knew Eve and conceived. It's the same verb as Psalm 4610. Knowing transcends ideas. It even transcends words. Knowing God. Um, knowing God is more like the trapeze artist who threw himself in 
than having an intellectual notion. Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord and how do you know? Let's keep going. Um, let's just go on. Um, we, we, we've already talked about this. Um, it's, it's interesting that um, if, if you want some interesting homework, uh, if, if you're the studious type, uh, when you get home, read Psalm 139. If you read Psalm 139 in the first few verses, maybe one through five or six, you'll see David celebrating, coming, the light bulbs coming off, that, uh, that, that God knows every hair on his head and every thought in his mind. And then beginning in verse six or seven, in the same Psalm, it's, oh my gosh, God knows every thought in my mind. Uh, it's the awareness of it and then the burden of it. But God, not only does God long to be known, God know, knows us. But let, let, let's keep going. Um, keep going. We're going to, um, we'll just stop here. This will be where we land. Um, gosh, we never got to preaching, did we? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord and how do you know Jeremiah 22 says, Your father Josiah was just and right in all his dealings. <laughs> he gave justice and help to the poor. He gave justice and help to the poor. And everything went well for him. Isn't that what it means to know me? Says the Lord. If you want to know what it means to know the Lord, Scripture has, okay, give us a sign. No, Scripture has made it clear what it means to know the Lord in the way that the Lord longs to be known. If you want to know, if you know the Lord, what have you done to help justice? become somebody's experience? What have you done to help the poor and the needy? And I, I'm, listen, I'm all aware of what James says about works. But Scripture cover to cover is talking about knowing God in a way that requires all of us. It's an all-in and not a let's just agree. It is an all-in. And even if we don't agree, we're all-in. You and I can disagree on ideas about God, but we can both give a cup of cold water in the name of Jesus and we can do it together. That's closer to knowing God than being accurate and, um, and, and, and being uh, witty about our thoughts about God. Let's wrap this up. Knowing God requires a relationship. I, this is, you know... My, my wife works with young children. Sometimes young children need some extra help uh, focusing. I need extra help focusing. Um, I've seen her take a young child's face in her hands. Um, sometimes she takes my face in her hands <laughs> and, and says, okay, we're going to focus here. Uh, so imagine we're doing that, but don't take that too far because it'd be weird. We're in public, and I don't want to put your face in my hands. But imagine this. This is... Um, knowing God is one of the more important realities of our existence. 
knowing our Creator is at the center of, of who we are. So knowing God requires a relationship. And the opposite of knowing God isn't ignorance. Do you, do you see that? The opposite of knowing God isn't ignorance because God is not information. The opposite of knowing God is rebellion. God made us in his image. God called us. God equipped us. God has given us salvation. It's an act of rebellion to simply make that about an idea and not about our hands. I don't know what that means for you. It's for you to sort out. But let's do it. God, we thank you for knowing us. We thank you for longing to be known. We thank you for revealing who you are. We thank you for removing the mystery about what you look like by coming to us in the flesh in Christ. God, we, we desperately need to know you. We are so afraid of knowing you. We long to know you. God, we're scared of knowing you because we're scared of what you'll ask. We are scared of what it means to provide justice and help for the needy. We're scared of our inability to accept the lack of comfort. We're frightened how that might interrupt our own preferences. But God, we still need to know you. <laughs> We pray that you would help our belief and help our unbelief. God, right now, in, in, uh, in worship and in honesty and in candor with you, we pray that we can put our lives more knowingly in your hands. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.